Welcome to the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle Podcast. I'm Alexandra Pecci, Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. Today, I'm excited to welcome Charlie Brown, MBA, who is a Vice President at Woburn, Massachusetts-based Culbert Healthcare Solutions. Charlie has been in Revenue Cycle leadership roles for over 30 years at large integrated systems, including University of Chicago Medicine and University of Washington Multicare Health System and Tower Health. He's here to talk to us today about hospital inpatient to observation status downgrades and how revenue cycle leaders can develop a comprehensive risk mitigation plan. Charlie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Alex. I'm really excited to join you today. And I really appreciate all the great things that the Health Leaders Exchange has done for, for me and for our industry in the past, including the conferences and the information sharing you know, that conference we were at last month was really beneficial. It was really great to network with my colleagues and learn what barriers, challenges, and opportunities they have. So again, I really appreciate you inviting me to attend your podcast. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. You just made my day with that. Thank you. Charlie, first question. What is a status downgrade and why is everyone in Revenue Cycle talking about them lately? It's a big problem, Alex and um, a big challenge for uh, hospital providers. But basically a status downgrade occurs when a managed Medicare payer determines based on their medical necessity requirements that a patient's hospital visit doesn't meet the requirements for how it was billed and therefore the associated reimbursement under a certain level of care. Um, subsequently, you know, the hospital reimbursement will be lowered Status downgrades, you know, occur in different definitions, setting venues. You can have a status downgrade from one DRG to another. You can have a status downgrade from one level of service to another. So ICU to med surge, for example. But I think that the most common and most impactful for hospital providers is status downgrades from inpatient status to observation status. So the hospital has treated the patient as an inpatient, provided all the care that the patient needed within the inpatient setting, um, documented it to their best ability and knowledge, build out the claim as, a, um, as an inpatient claim, and um, then subsequently the reimbursement, the status is downgraded to a observation and the and this the reimbursement is lowered to a different level so uh you know this it's been a it's been a challenge for uh many years to get the right documentation to bill a patient as an observation versus an inpatient cms has uh continually modified their guidelines throughout the years from you know doing providing different provisions within their guidelines for such things as uh inpatient only lists or two midnight rules and so it's it's never been an easy clear cut this patient's inpatient or this patient is observation status so it continues to evolve and and um you know add add into that the you know managed medicare payer requirements who could be different from each payer category, you know, whether it's managed Medicare, managed Medicaid, or commercial, 
Um, it's, it's, it's a huge problem. It's a huge challenge. Um, it takes a huge effort from a hospital provider to be reimbursed appropriately. I always found it interesting, Alex, that, uh, you, you know, we hear a lot of conversation about uh, downgrades, but we never, we never hear about an upgrade. <laughs> right. So what specifically makes this issue challenging for revenue cycle leaders as they're trying to navigate those downgrades kind of as they happen and as they're trying to get paid? You know, there is, as I mentioned, there's um, significant reimbursement challenges. Um, you know, let's talk about managed Medicare, for example. In an organization I was at, for example, um, our average reimbursement for an inpatient case uh, was 80% higher than the observation case. So, you know, and that and that held pretty constant, whether it was uh, a Medicare patient traditionally covered or managed Medicare, whatever that coverage may be, the inpatient case was usually about 80% higher than the observation case. So when those cases are downgraded, it's a huge impact on the reimbursement. Now, CMS requires that uh, from managed Medicare payers that within their guidelines, they can't reimburse providers any lower than the patient or the provider would be reimbursed through a traditional Medicare coverage. So, you know, that provides hospitals with a somewhat of a safety net, um, but the the criteria that managed Medicare payers establish are really challenging to follow and take a lot of a cross-functional concerted effort. You know, I, I think that some of the other challenges, it takes a lot of resources to to manage this whole process. It takes resources in case management, takes resources from physician advisors to do peer-to-peer -peer conversations. It takes uh, denial management teams to make sure that if a case is denied, that it's uh, appealed appropriately. And then, you know, another significant impact is around revenue recognition. So if a hospital um, feels they had 100 inpatient cases at the end of the month, that they're gonna get paid X amount for those cases, um, they'll, you know, they'll recognize that as revenue. Well, subsequently, you know, two, three months later, when the cases are denied and downgraded to an observation status, the revenue that they recognize is a lot less, and they'll have to go back and make adjustments to those re recognition amounts. Is there a way to prevent status downgrades before they happen? Absolutely, there is. Well, first and, and foremost, it's uh, important to understand your data and uh, your contract provisions. So you really need to, to get into the, the weeds, the details of what is what are the medical necessity requirements from your payers and how do those differ from payer to payer? How do those differ um, from the same payer for different payer types, whether it be, you know, a managed Medicare, managed Medicaid or commercial payer? And then, you know, develop a cross-functional approach uh, with your clinicians, case managers, denial management teams, patient access, HIM coding. Ensure that, you know, you're appropriately documenting and following the payer, payer protocols. You know, you won't have a leg to stand on when it comes to appealing that denial. 
um, you know, it's, again, it's not easy because every payer has their own uh, different requirements, but it's really about making sure that you got the appropriate documentation for the services that you're providing and that you have a process to get authorized and appeal and do peer-to-peers at every step of the way. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us for more with Charlie when we come back. Hi, this is Melanie Blackman, Strategy Editor at Health Leaders. I'm here to tell you to check out the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast, which drops every first Wednesday of the month. On my show, I sit down with women executives who share insights on important healthcare topics, their leadership experience, and how others can climb up the organizational ladder. Subscribe and listen to the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Welcome back. We're talking with Charlie Brown of Colbert Healthcare Solutions. So, Charlie, tell us a little bit more about the importance of developing a cross-functional approach to an organizational risk mitigation strategy. That's a great question, Alex, and it's it's um, it's not an easy not an easy task by any means. Um, but you know, to use the old adage, you really need to leverage technology, people, and process. You really want to make sure that you're system is configured to document appropriately within the medical records, for example. You know, using smart phrases, leveraging physician advisors and or hospitalists to, you know, learn from past denials, learn from past challenges, cases, make sure that tests are documented appropriately in the medical record and that that's all available for you know when a payer comes in with their nurse auditors to review the case the other technology piece to that really needs to be in place as a way to track the process from start to finish throughout the hospital's team so you know whether that's uh, billing indicators or whatever you want to define the term or use to really make sure that the handoffs are happening appropriately and, and to know who has the baton step to step. In terms of the, the people part of it, you know, you need to make sure that you have, you know, physician advisors or somebody that's available to do those peer to peers. Now it's a challenge because, if, you know, a lot of times when you appeal a case, you have to have a physician talk to, of your organization, talk to the physician of the payer organization. Well, you know, everybody's busy, and so it's not like you can just pick up the phone and get the uh, physician advisor from the payer on the phone in the first try. So, you know, you have to make sure you have a good process, but you need to make sure that you you go through those steps to do those peer-to-peers, or, you know, that would be part of the appeal process that if you don't fulfill, then you won't be able to overturn the denial. You need a strong case management team. You need a strong denial management team. And then you need to make sure that your patient access, HIM, and coding teams are well-educated and on board with the process. And then that brings us to the third step is the process. You know, you want to make sure that you, you're leveraging your system configurations and that your people are well-trained to ensure that the documented processes are followed. It's really helpful to kind of 
process map out the workflow and uh, do swim lanes and visios to say, okay, well, here's what we need to do. You know, and, and you could take it from a, a high level standpoint that this is what we do for the basics. And then this is additional steps we need to take with different payers based on their requirements. So making sure you have comprehensive process maps and processes laid out. A lot of times, you know, hospitals, unfortunately, the, the, the requirements are so challenging, convoluted, that a lot of times hospital providers just give up and say, oh, well, we know we're going to get denied on this. We'll just bill it as a observation to begin with. And that's probably the worst thing that you can do. You know, you really need to preserve your appeal rights by billing it as you feel appropriate for the services that were provided to that patient. Finally, how can revenue cycle leaders work with payers on their contract language around this issue? Yeah, great question, Alex. So you really need to tr take a, a you know a collaborative approach with your payers. You know, ha have regularly scheduled monthly meetings to talk about cases, talk about challenges, present them with a scorecard. You know, let them know how they benchmark against other payers. We've seen a wide variety. Um, of denials from different payers. So payer A may be denying or downgrading, you know, 40% of the cases, where payer B may be only denying 10% of the cases. Well, you know, you'd think that it would be the same mix of patients in general and, and that those percentages should be much closer together. But a lot of times they're not. And so to put that on a scorecard for a payer can be really helpful to, to tell them you know, hey, here's how you compare to your peers. You need to really make sure that within your contracts you have clearly defined criteria for what they, the payer is defining medical necessity. And, and to make sure that you, you know, agree with that. You should also try and embed in the contract the ability to have a third party, a neutral third party review of disputed cases. You know, if it's possible, you want to try and build in there, well, you're, you know, here's a baseline of denials or here's our industry average. And, and, and if, if your denial rate goes above that, then there's a problem. And that there, you know, some kind of, some kind of terminology in your contract to say, hey, when this gets to this level, we all recognize it's out of whack and that we need to do something. You need to want to make sure that you have um, good dispute resolution processes in your contract. So whether that's arbitration or arbitration or whatever the steps may be to follow a, you know, the next level of dispute. And then also as you build your, understand your contracts, define the language, make sure that you know what the next steps are if arbitration doesn't work. I mean, if you, are you prepared to litigate on these issues? So, you know, what we've done is we've, you know, taken, followed the process and built up cases and worked them all the way through the chain. And then, you know, well, we, we still feel really strongly that we followed all the steps, did everything appropriately, provided the service for these patients. They should be reimbursed as inpatients. And now we're willing to take these uh, cases to the next step in a, in a litigation effort. So making sure that you understand all those provisions in your contracts and, 
to build them in so that they're very clear. As you can see, Alex, I'm really passionate about this subject. You know, I've spent a, a lot of effort trying to make sure that my teams are, are aligned and that we have technology to support their efforts. And uh, it's it's a challenge, but it's a it's a fight that you can't give up on, and you got to continue to make sure that your your processes and your technology and your your people are all aligned to minimize the impact from these downgrades. Charlie, it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise and your passion about this topic with all of us. Well, thank you, Alex. As obviously, as you can tell, I am passionate about it. I, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation with you today and talk about this subject. Again, I'm really thankful for all the work that you and your team does with the health leaders to keep us informed and to, to keep us networking with each other. So thanks again for that. Thanks also to you listeners for joining us on the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of patients and each other.